To the ransomware battleground, where we dive into the world of cybersecurity and hear firsthand from those that are deep in the fight to protect your data and peace of mind. Think your network is secure? Let's check out how secure you really are with this week's chat. Trek loads of vulnerabilities in tech farming, or as I have unofficially dubbed, oh dear John Deere. Today, we welcome back Hinio Ochoa, CISO at Cyber Warrior Network, and two very special guests. Regex and Wabafet, all members of the ethical research collective Sakura Samurai. They open up about their part in exposing John Deere's vulnerabilities that may or may not have been welcomed. I'm your host and moderator, Sia Yasotornrad. Before we get started, I've got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Airgap, the best defense against ransomware. With a zero trust isolation platform, Airgap confines ransomware to a single device. Put an end to threat propagation and protect your infrastructure in minutes, not months. And now, let's enter the battleground. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to the Ransomware Battleground. And today, this is probably, I think it's going to be my favorite episode ever, Higgs. And I know you've been here before, but I think today it's going to be my favorite episode. Welcome back, Hinio Ochoa. Thank you for having me back um, on the what is this, 37th time, I feel. <laughs> uh, but I've enjoyed every one. So uh, I brought some friends with me. So I hope uh, I hope this does come out awesome. Yeah, no. OK, so we've got a party going on and we may or may not see images, but that's OK. Um, so we are welcoming back or not welcoming back, but welcoming Regex and Wabafet to the show. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Hello. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. So, Hinio, we were talking about uh, the title of this episode unofficially is Oh Dear John Deere, because, well, I'm creative like that. So there was a Forbes article that came out. And to me, it just so fascinated me because I do have a history with John Deere. I've talked to their innovation team last year at CES, and I was absolutely fascinated with all the impressive technology that they're rolling out with for big agriculture and then when I read that Forbes article, it really dawned on me that where was security in the ingenious inventions as they formulate these wonderful, you know, combines that can spray water at an you know, exact minute spot, right? So take me back, step back here, because this whole situation with John Deere is a good thing, but it was rooted in a issue that was identified by a group. By called Sakura Samurai. So Higgs, talk to me. Where should we go? Should we talk about Sakura Samurai first, or talk well, about well? Well, I think it's I think it's more of Samurai were involved, and it was actually led by this group. Um, so a little backstory. Um, the Samurai have we have a lot of little group channels, right? We got Discord channels and, and hidden private channels for um, ourselves, and so we get to interact with the community. And a lot of times, um, that's where that kind of fun stuff happens. Uh, so. You'll see, you know, a lot of projects going out there. If you're on Twitter, you're in the news. You'll see the the uh, samurai all over the place, um, and that's because each while we do work as a team, uh, each one of us gives back to the community in our own way, and so each one of us kind of embedded in those little things. Um, but yeah, yeah. So 
Ah, what do you even start? So I, I think to really grasp how big this is, um, think about something simple like your corn or your your cereal or something like that all the way back. Uh, and then think of like the big, these giant farms, right? Not not your mom and pop farms. Although there are there are a lot and a lot of the big, really big farms are actually owned by, you know, by families. But I guess my point is these are industrialized to the point that they need, um, you know, GPS. And, and as you said, there's a lot of technologies in these tractors. Um, and when, when you deal with technology, the usually in our minds, the first thing you think about is security. Uh, and so it, while this is surprising, it's not something we haven't seen before. Um, but when you have these technologies such as GPS, right? And that's, that's, I mean, for us, that's good enough to get us down the road. But when you're trying to do something like, you know, till a, a giant farm, you need things like RTK. Well, now you got this other protocol on it. And so now GPS and RTK is all has to, and that has to be managed, right? So you can see how something as simple as I need my my uh, giant tractor to water this these this corn. Um, I need it to do that on a regular basis. I need it to do it okay. I need to be able to just sit in it and make sure things don't blow up. Uh, and so that management, uh, something's that small, that simple, that user story uh, becomes giant and complex. Oh, absolutely. And I think just to reiterate. I'm a city slicker. Okay. <laughs> so the fact that I saw a Columbine for the first time sitting at the floor at CES, I'm like, damn, <laughs> things are huge. But again, it goes back to, I think uh, in that Forbes article, they were talking about how agriculture in general is kind of like behind that bell curve, right? There'd be, it's not a bleeding edge, but yet John Deere is kind of getting pushed as a big provider of agricultural equipment and innovation to drive, to innovate to push and, and see, you know, put themselves out there. Because I think, I think a portion of that article was talking about admitting vulnerability or not to admit vulnerabilities. So could you help me understand here, and, and, and Wabafet and, and Regex, like, is it something that these companies, it's in their best interest to fix their issues? Why not ad admit it because they caught it in time? Why is it such a bad thing, you guys? I don't understand that. Well, well, what happened with these guys is um, the way I met these group of people is Sit Codes had come out with something for their hardware. And when he did, I had seen it on Twitter. And I decided because they had made a jest about they had no security vulnerabilities in their products, that that was a statement they would live to regret. And I had no clue who any of these guys were. And that is just something I live by. You say that, I'm going to get into your systems. So that's just how I work. So when I started finding these numerous vulnerabilities, SIT codes introduced me to John J. Hacking, Hig, Hig himself. And since then, we've pretty much been in this concentric hacker circle and we all work together. And I guess John Deere just came together from them touting that they didn't have any vulnerabilities and then trying to hide the fact they did when they were pointed out for free. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know why a, a lot of companies uh, try to come out and deny findings as well. I guess to uh, the original question that you put out, it's early maybe for a lot of these companies to, it's maybe the first time they're dealing with a lot of these things. And I, I feel like they don't know how to handle it. And um, it's just the whole, I guess, industry in general is still, it's just in its infancy. And they, they don't know how to respond or react. And a lot of them don't have security programs. Even at these larger 
uh, companies. So it, they just don't know what to do a lot of the time. And it seems like they don't have the right people internally to even communicate a lot of uh, the time we find, you know, and it's not just John Deere, it's, it's other large companies that, um, you know, even with the evidence of what you did, um, whether it was, you know, simulating a, a breach and actually getting stuff, you know, to, you know, just everything involved with John Deere, which was very extensive. Uh, they, they, you know, they want to save face and they have to answer to probably their management or the board or, you know, everybody has to answer to somebody at these companies internally. And, you know, they, they want to control the narrative, I think, of what happened and what's able to be done in their systems. And um, I don't think they understand enough that, hey, listen, we, we have all of the evidence, we have everything step by step, and you can't deny these things, you know, and we're not here to make you look bad. We're trying to, you know, help you get better. We want to help you protect people. You know, we're, we're ethical hackers and we're doing this uh, for all the right reasons, you would say, you know, if um, we wanted to, um, there, there are groups that could, you know, malicious groups that could do this stuff and, and sell this information, you know, and sell um, what they found with vulnerabilities and, and not contact John Deere at all. You know, they'll just try to do something malicious with the, the information. So, um, so this John Deere stuff was really spearheaded by uh, SIT codes. Um, and this is a kind of a continuation uh, after he initially had findings with John Deere, which caused them to create a program. And this was kind of the first take at, I guess, once they had a program to kind of go in and look at stuff. And that's how, you know, we found so many vulnerabilities and were able to do so much stuff. And um, yeah, I, I was a little shocked that um, I think after uh, Sit Codes gave the DEFCON presentation on findings and what went down, um, I think there were some denials being done still. And I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't entirely shocked because I feel like the bigger the company, the more they try to, uh, to, to deny things, you know, thinking that maybe they'll, they maybe have more reputation than a hacker group, you know, but, um, but it is, uh, you know, the truth is there, you know, it's, it's in all the records we have, all the documentation um, and what was done. So I think as more of these things happen and pop in the news, um, more people are going to be more proactive with their security programs and really trying to maybe even do some exercises dealing with, uh, you know, ethical people, having findings and working in a, in a better relationship, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. No. So you, you said a couple of things that are just like, like blaring to me. So why large, it seems like the larger the organization, the, the higher the odds of people denying it because a people trying to protect their jobs. Yeah. Right. We, we've got those uh, B there's almost like this need or this weird mentality of, Oh, I am part of a bigger blob. And so, therefore, I have this need to protect that blob more so. Like, imagine like someone in PR and comms, right, dictating what employees can and cannot say because they think this amorphous being of a bit company brand has to be protected. And I guess that's what I'm thinking is what happened is legal or comms probably got in the way or an ego got in the way. Let me ask you guys this. Has there ever been a time where you've done a hack um, into a that maybe wasn't as high profile? But the but they were grateful to you. Did they say thank you? Has anyone ever said thank you because you're helping them out? Are anyone 
appreciative. Once or twice, most of the times I get legal threats. <laughs> it, it really, yeah, the, the range is kind of extreme. Um, there, there have been uh, smaller organizations. When I say smaller, they might serve millions of people, but they're, they're not this, you know, like Fortune 100 company or bigger. Um, sometimes, you know, you'll see people sending people things or just, I think the, the best way to build these relationships where they're good is there's a quick response and they really lay out to you, you know, that kind of a timeline when they expect to fix the vulnerabilities and keep you informed and work with you on it. Uh, they will work to- with you. Exactly, which will lead to an eventual disclosure, which will make them look good. I mean, John Deere, they would have been more intelligent to, to be really positive about it and say, listen, you know, we're fixing all these things or they, you know, a lot of them have been fixed. And, you know, the, the article that whatever journalist would have written on it would have been, you know, praising John Deere saying, listen, people have vulnerabilities, you know, like organizations will always have vulnerabilities. And, um, how you handle it really kind of reflects your company. And um, I think that's still being learned, unfortunately. Well, I mean, if you think about it, right, they, we, what was it that was said? Uh, someone said, yeah, our product has not been hacked or is, is it's like the Titanic, like it's an unsinkable boat. It's like, do, who in this day and age would ever say their product is pack proof? I mean, you're begging to be attacked. Well, okay. Famous last words. <laughs> I know exactly. Okay. So, um, so, Agriculture. I, it, it, I mean, do you think John Deere is, I mean, they've got other competitors along the same line. Do you think it's an in- industry problem or do you think it was a John Deere problem? Are there any competitors that you feel that do a better job with their security or is it just a, everyone uh, has issues? Well, I don't know that we can answer that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. NDA we, won't reasons. Go, we won't go any deeper, but we can say that, um, like most industries uh, that we see out there, like oil and things like that, every industry does have. Um, uh, generally, if you find one bad apple, uh, you find others. This the, this interesting thing too is I'm new to looking at uh, agriculture and this kind of stuff and kind of this uh, this industry specifically, and the whole right to repair really came up a lot, especially with John Deere trying to control you know all the software and you know, farmers really having battle, battling with them. And a lot of farmers downloading basically like a kind of like fake clone software out of Europe to try to work with their own equipment with it. And it's, it's, I think the problems with this isn't just, you know, the vulnerabilities of findings, but it kind of opened up a whole Pandora's box just on right to repair in general, which really um, that whole community has really gotten behind this as well. And, and it's been really, uh, really awesome. And it's been a big learning experience as well for me when it comes to right to repair laws. Okay. So you guys are doing this for fun, huh? So you're not getting paid. Am I correct? Yep. Not yet. Yep. Not yet. And so, okay. So I kind of like uh, jokingly talked about this earlier, but you know, it, it would just strike me as you guys are a group. That's not necessarily the most, you're not like formally organized. It seems like you guys are a collective and you guys are jumping in and pinching when you can, if it does get to a situation where you start getting paid or getting engagements, are you guys going to be more formalized in your collective or how do you guys, you know, is that even in consideration or you guys just want to keep it casual? Well, I think, I mean, you know, most of us, if not all of us um, 
speaking of Sakura, right? Because there were members of Sakura Samurai within John Deere, but it wasn't a specific Sakura Samurai hack, right? There were there were multiple um, hackers put in on this, and there happened to be a few Sakura Samurai people. But speaking specifically to Sakura Samurai, um, which may also reflect some other groups that might do the same as us, um, like good faith research, is we're 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 uh, security professionals during the day, right? So it's our day job. So we're doing a lot of stuff for clients, but um, within this industry, you always have to stay sharp and you're constantly learning. And um, it's just kind of goes hand in hand with, um, to be good, I guess, uh, you have to kind of have it, your day job also be your passion and your hobby. So just it's just naturally that we're also hacking at night, you know, not just during the day and, you know, with friends as well. So I think, even though we're not being paid for this stuff, uh, it's just natural for us with, hey, we're, we're professionals. We, we do this for a living. And this is just what we do at night to, uh, to have fun, help uh, protect people, actually doing a service you know, to these companies, whether they think we are or not, we're actually doing them a very good service. Okay, look, I have my- Somebody has to. Yeah, no, I appreciate that you guys are doing this because look, I- like chefs, for example, like world-class chefs, they're not making world-class food when they're at home. Like, like I've been to so many like friends that are chefs that I'll go to the house thinking I'm going to get some amazing free food. And it's like freaking Mac, you know, craft Mac and cheese. And they're like, here, enjoy it. (laughs) Maybe they'll add some like Gouda cheese to it, but that's it. So where does that passion come from you guys? So help me understand that without going too much in your personal background, has this been developed in you or was this always in you, you guys, like to have your guys mentality, where do you find your fire? Oh man, I think I just like breaking stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's like our it's like our nervous tick. We need to, to to hack into things and break stuff and find out how things work. You know, I guess uh, it's just it's just a uh, thing trait shared across us all and a, a lot of people in the industry. Um, it's it's just so much work that unless you're passionate about it, there's no way you'd continue on in this field. To be honest. Okay, so that goes yeah. hand in hand with. You, how often are you guys? I guess it's, I guess it's hand in, I guess, what's that saying called when it's like not hand in foot? What's it's like, you're, oh my gosh, I can't remember the saying, but basically it is being in the security industry and you guys hacking the tools and technologies and innovations that are constantly coming out. Like that's got to be a lot of self learning, self teaching. Um, Do you ever find yourself feeling like you're getting behind or how do you stay on top of it? Yeah, I don't. I think just try. I think imposter syndrome is like a standard thing in this industry, you know, because you you usually reflect on everything you don't know instead of everything you know. So you're constantly kind of having internal battles with yourself when it comes to imposter syndrome and realizing that you can never know everything. There's just too much. So you just keep on keeping on, you know, just. But but see, and I say that's that's the root of why we do so well in this organic group and why i think hackers kind of link up like this because there's things i feel like oh man i don't really know that good i can reach out you know to rej or to to waba or to you know john any of the other samurais and just say hey i need some help or hey do you guys know this and and they'll they won't make fun of you you know you're not getting picked or you're not uh they kind of help you and build you up and so um i mean i know i've become a better hacker and and that alone for me has been enough motivation uh being able to meet people that i wouldn't have um 
uh, is I think a big a big payout too. Um, while every single one of us, I'm pretty sure, would like even more money because I don't think anybody doesn't like money. Uh, most of us do this in here for uh, the love of hacking and uh, to keep sharp. Because just like uh, Regex said, man, we I work almost 24 seven in the security. And the only reason I don't work 24 seven is because I have to sleep sometimes. Um, and so this lets me take what I want, what I know and say, okay, it behaves X, Y in my lab. Let me go find somebody with the VDP that I can go and test my new theory or test my new thing. Interesting. It's also good. I think um, when you look at people developing uh, their skills uh, over time in different labs and everything, when you're doing this stuff, it's, it's, as real world as you get, you know, it, it's, it's not it a, it's the real world. So it, it also, um, I, I do find people's skills expanding when it comes to real world versus let's say labs that are specifically set up where you have to link multiple um, kind of a, ways to attack something together to try to get through. Um, this is, it's, it's as real world as it gets. So it, it also helps you build up, you know, with every asset we're testing or, trying to, you know, find vulnerabilities in, you're just, you know, you're just getting better, you know, and it's just, it's a nonstop commitment. Okay. So you guys aren't stupid people. Okay. You're very bright, intelligent people. Why do, why is there such a negative connotation with quote hackers of some kind of like hackers? Like that's like just the term itself, right? You're, you're hacking something up. It's almost like not surgical, right? You're just kind of like chopping away at something like that. Why do you think there's such a negative connotation that it hasn't evolved. I mean, God, you guys, it's been what since war games in 1980, which by the way, I still love that movie, but like, why hasn't that reputation of a hacker not evolved with the last 40 years? I, because um, the media wants to stick the world hacker on everything instead of properly labeling the malicious people with the word cracker, because back in the day you were a cracker, not a hacker. If you were malicious, basically, I when I look at what's going on now with uh, there's groups trying to change that, like uh, hacking is not a crime. Uh, and it, a lot of it comes down to the media. Like Waba said, um, a lot of these journalists, when they're covering stories, they're not usually like industry specific. They might do multiple things and security might just be a random thing that pops up. So instead of using proper labels, they just say hacker. So. Uh, there's there's a lot of people trying to push forward to say, you know, malicious actor, um, you know, a, I don't think they're going to use cracker. <laughs> um, but, I'm going to say no. Yeah, but I'll, I'll argue with you on that side. Yeah, they definitely will not use cracker. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sorry, you guys. The second, well, the second you said cracker, I was like, oh, Chris Rock. You guys remember that segment? Cracker broken ore systems. <laughs> I almost said it. I can't say it, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so okay, I mean, okay. So let's let's go back to John Deere real quick here. So I mean, that article on the Forbes to me was just it sounded like honestly, like have you guys even thought about taking this and making into like a movie or or like a mini something? I mean, this is such a Hollywood, you know, just the way that writer just kind of laid out some of the details. Have you guys collectively thought about, um, you know, making? Hollywood understand what it is like de Hollywooding it by doing a Hollywood production or am I committing sin here asking? Oh God, no, I'll be in a movie. Sign me up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. want to be in a movie, sign you up and I can't get you on a zoom, please. Well, hey, well I didn't say I wouldn't go on camera. It's just there, I didn't there, put my face on zoom. 
Yeah, and there's always there's always a a, a price limit, right? We do a movie, we're getting forty million dollars. I'll, give I'll you show my, you my face all day. You'll get sick of me. Yeah, I'll get biometrics in a heartbeat. I'll give you my fingerprints. There's so much stuff too. It, it would be it would make more sense if it was like a TV show with new episodes every week because it's not. <laughs> oh my gosh! I just met uh, an executive uh, producer is looking who's looking for a new project. Holy smokes! I get him we, in touch. <laughs> I'm more than interested. Oh my gosh. No, I'm not kidding. Uh, she actually is coming up to Dallas uh, next week. So maybe Higgs, I'll keep, we'll be in touch. Yeah. Yeah. Keep in touch. Keep in touch. Okay. So, okay. So I digress again. Okay. So looking at this forums article, what was it that was in there that was left out of there? Was there anything left out of that you guys want to clarify? Cause you guys, you guys are the story. So, um, you know, tell me like, was there anything exaggerated or underplayed that you want to clarify or correct? I have one thing. I just want companies when they see our name on something not to think that we're there to shame them. We're actually not there to make people feel like we're their enemy. Exactly. I love it. And I mean, okay, I understand what you're saying, but honestly, if I'm a company and and you guys come after me, I kind of feel a little defensive. Like, well, what what was it about me that was so attractive for you to want to hack? I mean, they well, came you told me you didn't have any vulnerabilities. They came out and basically said they were untouchable. So, I mean, that was kind of opening mm-hmm. a, a door to, I would say, malicious people. And, you know, obviously the good people uh, want to want to help them out, you know, and be like, hey, <laughs> that was yeah. a horrible thing to say and kind of put it out to the world. And you can do real damage. I mean, as you can see in the report, like, you know, just the amount of stuff that could be done. Um, you know, it, it gets dangerous, especially with the food supply, global food supply as well. You know, they're all over. So, um, you know, <laughs> so I, and I, well, I wanted to touch on, on one thing though, before you go to this question, just to, just to show the dynamics of this, because I think that's what's left out, right. A, a, a and to us, he's not obviously, but a random researcher puts out a piece of, uh, a hack information, right. From that another random hacker is like, oh, I got some information to share, shares it with this guy. From there, it escalates up to, to from what was just, um, you know, I mean, they were good. There's some XSS and stuff like that that was caught um, and all of that. And, but ultimately, um, once you got all that done, then you had the PII, right? And then it just got bigger and bigger. And the whole time, all we were saying was, let us help you let us help you and the whole time they just kept saying no 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 um and there was a there was a time where we got to a point where like minus a zero day um or something you know i feel like like we've exhausted what we're going to do here they don't really like it and maybe and they put something out and right at that time um uh regex came in and said uh i got something for you and (laughs) (laughs) and literally just like that and so you had a group of hackers and one random one uh, again, we knew him, but in in this in our story, this one random hacker comes in and goes, "I got what you need," and boom, yeah. and we get a whole other level. And that is so beautiful to me as a hacker, the organic awesomeness of a shared mindset going after the same goal, 
and and how effortlessly it felt to us to do it because we were having so much fun and doing what we enjoyed um, that the, all the paperwork and all that stuff was just like, okay, yeah, cool. Um, and so we came at it with respect and we came at it with ethics and we came at it to make sure that we weren't, um, you know, if you go and look at the reports, we didn't publish this information all over the place. There's not leaked databases that we put out or anything like that, right? We're real secure with how we do handle it. Um, but but just I think this highlights really the hacker, the love of hacking, the hacking culture and just how it how it feels to be a part of that. And uh, I just wanted to make sure that was done that like this wasn't like we're sitting around plotting with pencils and, and rulers in our mom's basement. Right. Like this is such an organic thing, um, but it was just handled so beautifully. I think that shows the professionalism. Uh, and I just hope that shows. And these John Deere things have created jobs as well. I think after the first one, they were they were putting out. Uh... We need a security engineer now, you know, so yeah. uh, we're, we're creating jobs. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I think, the, the, what did they say in that article? 29 jobs suddenly popped up uh, on the on their website. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. On that note, then knowing that you guys are, you know, bad ASS and you guys are professionals, have you guys ever thought individually that you are security professionals working for other organizations? Do you ever feel like, like, this is your private time that you're doing, but could it be a possible termination cause like for the organization that that's paying you like your job? Is that an issue at all? Or is it like that, you guys- because some uh, organizations or companies, they, they don't even allow some of their security researchers to do bug bounty programs. Uh-huh. So it's something that you do have to discuss in your contracts when you are starting a new job. Um okay. To just make sure that you're transparent that, hey, listen, I, I do pub research that is, gets very public, you know, like um, it's in the news all the time. So, you know, this is just something that if if you're not agreeable with it, I'll not take the job. And luckily, this is a hot industry, you know, so you pick and choose who you work for when you're, uh, you know. <laughs> when you're a badass, go ahead, just say it. I'm a badass. I can pick and choose. It's okay squirrel <laughs> yeah it, it does give you that opportunity when you when you put in the time put in the effort um and really work on um at, on it like this it, it, it is worth it but i can say though that um that is something you want to talk with your boss man about uh why one of the first things when i got in there uh i got asked right do you do anything on the outside do you do any research do you do uh and i was straight up was just like yeah man i i will hack anything that will legally not put me back in prison so if that's okay <laughs> with you, then I'm okay yeah. with that. And he's like, oh yeah, 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 you know. Um, and so I, I would, I anyone who decides, yeah, I'm just going to go be a security researcher, um, that's cool. You can be, uh, but just do go back and maybe read your contract or talk to your boss, and so we can talk to his boss and legal because uh, you don't want to, you don't want to get caught up in some nasty legal battle and be like, man, I was doing everything good, and then you show up at work and boom, now you're fired. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, I mean, like you guys, I like. Just getting to know you and talking to you, I'm I'm like, I, I just want to like start, for lack of a better term, I can't use that term, so I have to figure out. I'm gonna have to start selling you to people. <laughs> it doesn't do. sound right. I will be That's your right. sales. I'll be your shill. I'll be your shill for you guys because it makes absolute sense. I don't understand why the CISO leadership doesn't come to you guys and say, "Look, there's penetration testing companies. I get it, but." Maybe, maybe maybe answer this question for me then. What is it that you guys do that's different than penetration testing company? Because don't you guys have the same tools and same kind no, of resources? They run tools for ten. You you pay someone like them ten thousand dollars, 
you'll be lucky if you get an hour or two of human interaction on a penetration test for most of these big companies. With us, you get full hands-on. So, so here's the here's another like kind of thing I want to throw in here. These companies, uh, a lot of them see these pen tests that they do annually for you know maybe it's for a specific compliance. You know, maybe they need like testing for like PCI DSS or you know whatever acronym you want. You know, you need these annual tests. They don't want you to find anything. You know, <laughs> because mm-hmm. then they have to show that oh yeah we had these vulnerabilities because it's it's just so misunderstood. I've you know in the field I've seen a lot of previous reports from uh, some pen testing companies that, you know, they basically just ran a scan, you know, and the findings were ridiculous and they wouldn't even be considered findings in any uh, opinion of somebody that knew what they were doing. And there's really no standard for a lot of these um, pen testers. You know, there's really no standard. Now uh, I dealt with some things overseas where they're more for this thing called crest which is what some pen testers are going after to basically show credibility. But even with that, I looked over a Crest, you know, certified uh, person with an organization's penetration test report for an organization that I looked over and it was horrible. They, they did nothing. And um, so there's really no standard. And I, I feel like, you know, best practices are to constantly switch out your penetration testing provider every year or two. So you get more people looking at things. And um, just people are happy with no findings. So when they get a clean report from a third party penetration testing company, they don't really care if the quality is crappy in many situations because they're, they're looking good now because they have this unbeatable product, which the truth is it's in many cases completely able to be hacked and filled with vulnerabilities. They just didn't really, um, you know, there was miscommunication and probably wants were different in within the organization itself to actually have a proper test done by professionals. Oh my gosh. So what prevents you guys from just not going bonkers? Like there's, it sounds like to me, industry wide, there's a lot of opportunity for you guys to have your fun. Um, why don't you guys become a, why don't you guys form a company then like, and be a alternative pen test or what's stopping you from doing that? I feel Our, like- yeah, uh, this is, yeah, yeah, we're all gonna go. <clears throat> um, okay, well, look, uh, I'll be honest. The the reason why uh, a lot of um, you know, pin test companies and all this stuff, why not us? Why them? That can mostly be answered with um, the root of everything: insurance, right? And I mean, like, like the the root of if you look nine times out of ten, these big moral issues are things like insurance. If we were to drop prod. I mean, look at Waba. His face is not even on the screen, right? Like, like how 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 are you going to track down this guy who just dropped your prod? Cost fifty billion dollars, right? And so that's that's our biggest issue. Um, but at the same time, you kind of that can kind of get conflated with other issues and get all mixed in and stuff. Um, we 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 could all start our own company. We all have you know our own little our own little fun things, sure. Um, but there's just something about it. Uh, if you tell me. Hino, you can only look here. I can promise you all of the stuff that I want right over there and right over there. And so this allows us to say, look, you can you can tell the rest of the world, tell your compliance guys, tell the law even that um, this is that small spot and look how protected we are. And look, we're we're 100 percent safe. Um, look at all these pen test reports. Look at us like independent auditors. 
Mm-hmm. We come in, we have no nation of, of uh, dedication kind of thing, right? I'm sure some of us love our countries, of course, but I mean, we're not representing anything outside of ourselves. We come in and we say, hey, that's cool, but the hacker found the black the back door you left over here. So what are you going to do, right? They also, I mean, you know, they might not even understand the scope they give you of, of the assets to be tested. Um, that's true. A lot of the time too, it really also depends, even if they have good people, uh, to test a lot of the internal people at the companies may be newer to their position and not really understand even where uh, on what assets all or servers all their things lie that need to be tested. So they sometimes uh, I also see very limited scope as well. And uh, you know a real malicious actor doesn't have a scope. So um, obviously you need one for these engagements, but. I find them limited as well. So it's it's a lot of, uh, I think it's a lot of problems to do with a new, very rapidly growing industry and people trying to have their skills catch up to their positions in many situations, to be honest. Wow, that's that's absolutely fascinating. You guys, I could talk to you guys all night long and I want to be respectful. And I don't know if you guys heard my dogs in the background. Apparently they're done too, but I mean, normally my last question is for those that want to get a hold of you, how can they get a hold of you? I'm just going to go with, you know what? Everyone go talk to Higgs because we see Higgs face. So everyone just hit up Higgs. Although I have to say uh, some of the tweets that you guys have done are pretty cool. We have tweet. You can catch every single one of us on Twitter. You can catch us, um, you know, on, on the Samurai site uh, and and on our public discord. Um, Come out, come look for us. Uh, We're in the, we're, we're pretty public. So you'll be able to find us. So uh, one, one thing I just want to throw out there is a lot of this um, ethical hacking research and being the good guys, I think it's really uh, also to inspire people to not think that, you know, hackers are bad. And for people that want to learn and do uh, things publicly, that you don't need to be doing really bad stuff. You could actually be a good guy and um, be a hacker as well. <laughs> And I think that's so important, right? Because again, these generations, these kids that are coming up and I guess, I know Higgs has kids. So uh, I think it's so important for these kids that are digitally native to understand that security is, you know, you can't just assume everything is grant, you know, given and, and secure because you think that's the way it is. And I'm, I'm worried a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little worried that the next generations are just going to be like, okay, I'm just going to give up my rights and, Give up my data and, oh, I didn't know that was happening. Oh, well, like I worry about that. So thank you. You guys are doing really good service. I really appreciate you. So on that note then, so Regex, Wobbuffet, and Wormer. I don't think I've ever called you Wormer just because. Wormer. (laughs) I really appreciate your time. And I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this up for another episode of Ransomware Battleground. And gentlemen, please, you're always welcome back. And uh, we'll stay in touch because we're going to do a Hollywood movie. We, we sure hope so. Well, thank you for having us. All right, guys. Have a great Thank evening. you.